Jonathan and Hannah, I'd like to just spend a few minutes uh, speaking to you um, about um, children uh, that God has blessed you with. Uh, I would like to encourage you and to encourage us to think biblically about what the Bible calls fatherhood and sonship. Now, I know that you have been given daughters, and I was given daughters. And I would just like to say this, that I think that my daughters have taught me more about me than I could teach me about me. And I think I, I would not think, well, okay, well, did I ever get a son or that sort of stuff. The Bible is very clear. It says that children are a blessing from the Lord. It doesn't say that sons are or daughters are. It says that, ch- that children are, which actually means that those children are God-given to you in the shape that they are and the make that they are, as it were, so that they can bring a blessing to God and to you. And the reason that you have daughters is that God knew what you needed in your family. So for, if you think, well, well, I've got this and I haven't got that, actually... What you're saying is that I know better for me than God does. And God knows what you will need in the future to make you excellent parents and excellent people. In my case, he gave me daughters because he knew what I was like. And in your case, he's given you daughters. So I just think, Jonathan, maybe he's got something that he might be teaching you in particular about women. But there you go. (laughs) We should see... Um, we should see how God the Father and Jesus the Son relate and we should try and emulate that in regard to our own children. The good news is that we will never out-father God. We can never out-father God because fatherhood is always defined by him. If we want to know how to be a good father, look at him. Discover what he's like and then put that into our lives. Because it's defined by him, that means that it's not the other way around. It means that, that we mustn't look for examples of fatherhood in the world and try and bring them into our lives. That he is our example. Now Paul told the church in Corinth that not many of them were fathers. And it, was, it wasn't because that they, had, that they hadn't fathered any children, because they had. What he meant was that not many of you are active in your ongoing role of fatherhood. Now, I've realized this, that fatherhood doesn't stop. I thought that fatherhood stopped at sort of 18. At 18, you get rid of them, and that you live a life without of them, and that you can do that sort of stuff. And then, the other, then what happens is that they bless you. You, know, you get massive presents and a car and a house and all that sort of stuff. I'm just beginning to, to, to discover that fatherhood continues and will continue probably till I'm on my deathbed. In fact, I want you to imagine this scene. I'm breathing my last and the phone rings. It's dad, the drain's blocked again. <laughs> Don't worry, I can't die at the moment. I'll just unblock the drain, then I'll come home and I'll be free to do that. So I just want you to know that fatherhood is forever. But there are three qualities in God's father-son relationship that I want to encourage you to emulate. The first is this, that the father makes the son a part of what he is doing. The father and the son 
in, in, in biblical terms, share the work. So what are you going to encourage them, your children, to be involved in what you are doing? Be involved in what you're doing. Secondly, the son does the will of the father. And that's an interesting one in today's society, isn't it? Secondly, he does the will of the father. So you're going to have to learn as parents, as we all are, that sometimes mom and dad do know best in this situation. They need to be taught as much yes and no. It isn't just yes. It is sometimes no. And sometimes the son has to do the will of the father because it is a biblical thing. We're following a biblical pattern. The other side of it, thirdly, is that if you look biblically, you'll find that the father and the son outdo one another in honouring one another. They are incredible in, in, in bringing blessing to each other. So I want to encourage you to think as a family and for us that one of our roles is to bring blessing to each other and how that works. It is important as fathers and as parents that we don't fall into two traps. One is false humility and the other one is passivity. And both of those tend to think that we don't either have a right to parent or the ability to parent. We do. God has given to us children so that we will shape their lives. He didn't give them to anybody else. He gave them to you. He gave you a gift so that you could shape their lives. And the primary goal of training children is to prepare them to be included in your life and then included then for their life. God included Jesus, but then what he did is that he sent him to the world. So he was with him and then he sent him. And we should not think that we are preparing them for somewhere else or for someone else's purposes or for someone else's ideals. We should be preparing them for something that God has given us to do and sending them in the right way. So why have I said that? Well, there's this verse in Scripture. It says in Psalm 127, verses 3 and 5, Behold, children are a heritage or a blessing from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. If you look at the context of that, and you take it in the context of children and parenting and fatherhood, Children are arrows that will be shot into battle. You only need an arrow when there's a battle. So children are arrows shot into the battle. It is a battle that they will experience as children and you experience as parents. And they will be fighting or involved in fighting this battle. It's wrong for us to just think, it'll be all right. No, it is a battleground out there. And if you, if you entrust your arrow to the enemy and not to yourself, you may be wounded by your own arrow. It's interesting, isn't it? Or their arrow would break, 
will become ineffective, which means that it would be useless in the battle. So don't entrust the enemy to fire your, your arrow and make sure that your arrow is good, else they will become ineffective. So what can we do to inspire us to be like this? A good question to ask is we should be the, the kind of parents or the kind of, of fathers or the kind of mothers that we, that we would want to be treated like, as it were. How would I like to be treated? How would I like to be fathered? How would I like to be mothered? Those are good questions to ask. And they're good questions because sometimes we, we want to be treated in one way, but actually we treat our children in another way. But actually the reason that that is in our heart is so that we can place it down here with our children. So you can look at things like um, 1 Peter 5 verses 2 and 3. Have I got that? I don't know what I have. No, it doesn't matter. Uh, 1 Peter verses 5, 2 and 3, where, where Peter is talking about being parents in the church. And he said, uh, it's in terms of shepherds and leaders, he's saying, not being domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfailing crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So you can get an idea of, of godly parenting, not domineering, being an example, being subject to some people over you, clothing yourselves with humility, not being proud. There's the examples. We could sum that and say, you probably need to be authoritative, but not authoritarian, because authoritarians appeal to their office. I'm your dad, do as you're told. But authoritative leaders, on the other hand, gain credibility by how they live. I want to follow them because I can see that life. I want them to speak into my life because I can see that in their life. They don't need to pull rank because they, they, they're just there. They're living. I want to be like them. They show themselves worthy of following because of their own example of what they live and what they teach. The problem is, it isn't just what we teach. Because as you get older, Jonathan and Hannah, what you'll realise is that your kids will get smarter. They may, may even get smarter than you. But at some point, what they'll do is they'll notice one, th- one thing, and it's exact, is that you will tell them something, and they will come back to you one day and say this, but you don't do it. And that day will happen. Believe you me, it happens. They come back and you say, you don't do it. You don't live like that. You, and it comes back at you quite sharp. So you're going to have to be an example on how to live because that will give you the integrity to be able to teach them. And the one way to be a kind father or kind mother is ask yourselves, can you take your own advice? Can you take advice? So what advice would you give to somebody else about parenting? What would you give to somebody who said to you when they'd got a son or a daughter, how would you do this? 
Would you, would you tell them to do one thing and not do that yourself? We have to be consistent in regard to what we do. So let me try and help you out a little bit. Let me give you a simple strategy for fathering. It's dead simple. Here it comes. One, Jonathan and Hannah, get a life. Two, include your children in your life. Three, if, that, if it doesn't feel like that, here's the third step. Repeat steps one and two. That's it. Get, what do I mean by that? I mean, get a life by being someone that, in God that people biblically admire and are impressed with in the church that you are in so that they want to be a part of your life. Get a life that impresses them in God. Get a life that is worth following. Get a life that impresses people in God. And then include your kids in that life. Look at somebody, look at people in the Bible and say, these are what I want to be like, these are how I want to be. Be like that. Get a life that is impressive. Get a life that's impressive. And then include your kids in that life by training them up saying why you have chosen to get that life. So you say to your kids, this is why I'm praying. This is why I'm worshipping. This is why I'm evangelising. This is why I'm serving. Uh, So that they can see they're impressed by you and they're involved in you. Make them a part of that. But engage them with engage them at their own level. So when you when you are doing serving, get the kids to serve with you, to help you, so that you show them. When you're doing stuff on the street or whatever, whether you're doing leafleting with Rupert, don't not take the kids with you. Show them. Show them what you do. Show them how you should live. So what kind of Fathering, sorry, what kind, what do you like, a simple life, got that the wrong way, I've missed one, oh well, missed one. What kind of fathering does this look like? Don't be concerned about whether and what you are doing now is, is what they will always do. What do I mean by that? Look at it from long term perspective. Where would I like in God my children to be? Pray for that, encourage that, nurture them in that, and give them what they need to pursue and experience that. Okay, you can't teach them about grace right now, but you can teach them the value of salvation and how it's free and how it's a gift and how he was at Jesus' expense. Start small, but think long term. Tell them stories about it. Demonstrate it. Show them. Let me go back to that slide. 
How should children be treated as arrows in the hands of God? It's an interesting verse, isn't it? Particularly in regard to fathering. Let me give you seven things which will take me an hour on each. Firstly, how should children be treated like arrows in the hands of a warrior? One, sharpen them intellectually and spiritually. You sharpen them. Have dinner together as a family and talk about things of God and things in the news. Don't let them live a separate life, a life of a child that's excluded from life both intellectually and spiritually. Invite people in your home that will stretch you and stretch your kids. We had the privilege years and years ago uh, when we were in Lewis, of having our kids when we were small, and having people from different nations come into our house. Uh, folks from India, from Africa, from China, all being in our house. It's interesting the impact of those people and those, those conversations on our kids' life now that they are grown up. It's just interesting. You should sharpen the arrow. You should do it intellectually and spiritually. Ask yourself the question, are you reading together? Are you praying together? Are you doing those sort of, are you stimulating the arrow? Secondly, straighten them out morally. Explain why that is wrong. Discipline them. If you can't discipline them, uh, call the police to arrest them. That'll do. No, don't do that. But if you can't do that, but seriously, make sure that they know that you care for them enough to keep them in line. Parenting involves straightening out the arrow. Thirdly, Pay attention to the feathers on the arrow, their moral guidance system. If you, don't care, if, you don't, if you don't take care of the feathers, when the arrow fires, it will go all over the place. It will go all over the place. Don't shy away of the big subjects. Our kids are dead embarrassed with dad because dad will raise certain subjects that, that, that they just the, the kids think it's not what parents talk about. Actually, it is what parents talk about. So actually, I am going to talk about sex. Why? Because I'm a dad. It's my role. It's not anybody else's role. It's mine. I put the feathers on the, on, on the, on the arrow. I'm going to talk about music. I'm going to talk about who is in the, who is in the charts right now or not. I see it still as my, my God-given right as a parent to know who is in the charts right now in the music, what they think about, what their lifestyle is, and I will not shut off that. Not while my kids are listening to music at whatever age. I want to know who is right and who is wrong, what their DVDs are like. I want to watch that. I want to know not just it's wrong to take drugs, but what are the drugs that they're taking? What sort of the pressure? What are the, re- what are the names about them? It's no good you saying, well, when I was young, I smoked a little pot. Because you, you don't smoke a little pot these days. You need to know what he's about. You need to know about alcohol, 
and clothes. There's a thing that um, Phil will remember about Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll's a pastor in America. He went into a shopping mall in America. He goes into the shopping mall in America very nervously, goes into the shop. It's one of these teen shops. It's like you going into the new look. And he says to the shop assistants, please, can you tell me what 14-year-old girls wear? And they all went, we need to arrest him. <laughs> so he then said, okay, I'll explain why. He said, I am a pastor of a church. I've got teenage children. I need to know what they're up to. And so the shop assistant went, they like these. And he went, no, really? Do you get them longer than that? No, you get them shorter than that. But what is interesting is that we don't know. So they come home and they say, mom, dad, can I buy this? And you, and you go, what? You need to know, because you are putting the feathers on, the, on, the, on the, the arrow. And if you don't put the feathers on the arrow, somebody else will. They'll put it on. And then it will fire where you don't want it to go. Fourthly, aim the arrow where it matters. You have to ask the question, am I wasting the ammo on this target? Are they wasting the ammo on this target? Sometimes things are just trivial targets. They'll come and go. So I could never understand, I'm sorry about this, Rachel, my little ponies. Could not understand it. I could never understand those things years ago. What do they call them? Gonks or something. Do you remember the? Do you remember those things? Those like, they look like gnomey things with long hair. What was that? Trolls! Yeah, see, I didn't understand that. I didn't, my little ponies, I, that sort of stuff. But you see, it didn't matter. It would come and go. It wasn't that, you know, that at 25, that, you know, we, they, you see, it doesn't You can let that one go. But if they come to you at 14 and say that I want to sleep around with so-and-so, you've got to say no. So you've got to concentrate on the things that matter and the things that don't. You've got to not waste your ammo on some things and fire it good at others. So you've got to aim at what matters. Fifthly, you'll have to hold them back till they're ready to be released. That's your problem. You hold the bow. They are the arrow. Now let me tell you, having had two grown-up daughters, they will want to fire at nine at eight, at seven, at whatever. So when you're walking past Liquid and Envy at, and, they, and you're going past in the buggy, you'll find the buggy's going like Because they, they want to experience everything that they can experience. Your job is to hold the bow. You fire the arrow. So they don't fire it. Now, will this create tension? Yes, of course it will. It will because they'll come back with this thing, which is this wonderful statement is everybody's doing it, and the reason that everybody's doing it is that the parents are not doing it. See, the parents had hold of the bow, everybody wouldn't be doing it. You could say, Ah, look, they're not. So, come on, parents, hold the bow. Sixthly, when they're ready, let them go. You've got to let them go. You've got to let them go. You've got to let them go with prayer and friendship. And you've got to think, okay, of the arrow, I've fired it. 
Sometimes, excuse me, here we go, Jonathan, with, with the whole parenting thing, is that as parents, sometimes the mums have it difficult letting them go. They've got to let them go. They've got to go and create their own family. They've got to go. And sometimes that tension can occur. Way, way back, you've got this sort of like 95-year-old with a 60-something and there's still some sort of weird relationship. Come on, fire the arrow, let them go. Seventhly, and lastly, behave like a warrior in parenting, not an anti-war campaigner. You've been given an item of war. Sometimes what we do with parenting is that we make it very passive. We sort of let it all happen, and when it all happens, I have to deal with it. No, you are not an an anti-war campaigner. You are a warrior with a bow and an arrow. So you have to behave like one. It's no good. You can't imagine those big films, can you? All the ones on the telly where you, where you get Troy and all that sort of stuff and the archers. And you get them all, all the sort of, the, there's the arrows and that sort of stuff. And the enemy rides toward and he draws his bow like that and he looks up at the enemy and he goes, no, and he's off like this. You, which is what the way that we can parent. We can think, no, this is too big. We can't do that. No, remember, you as a parent are a warrior. You are not an anti-war campaigner. 